Folks, back here in the Capitol with Senator, newly elected Senator Jesse Keel. How are you? you? Doing? How are you doing, Jeff? Doing great. And again, I've been doing a lot of these podcasts lately, and the fourth floor is what I call the action floor, the floor that if I'm ever in this building, I want to be in. You know, I actually, um, now that I have a desk in the Senate chamber, I have worked on every single floor of this building. So you're, uh, you've been here, not elected, but you were a staffer before, right? Yeah, yeah. Long time. For who? For different... First for Kim Elton uh, in the Senate, and then uh, his successor, Dennis Egan. Right, yeah. He's a, he's a character, Senator the, Egan. The pair of them. And you were also on the uh, Juneau City Council or... Assembly. Assembly, yeah. yeah. You guys call it. We have Anchorage Assembly. Yep. So cities have councils and boroughs have assemblies. Really? Yeah. We really don't have that borough deal, you know, because like the valley has like the Matsu borough and then like the... Yeah, Anchorage is a unified city and borough, which you named the Muni because good branding, uh, whereas Juno did the same thing but called it the city and borough of Juno. Right, so okay, similar, which yeah, because... bad branding. Like Fairbanks and like Valley have like the Fairbanks, Bur- Fairbanks borough and then like Fairbanks city council and same in the Valley, so it always seems to me like overlap. Uh, yeah, well, local control, they, they decided they wanted... Two layers of government instead of one. Uh, they have different powers and duties, and so that's that works for them. So you, uh, you're you're the Juno rep, and you're one of the few people you live in Juno. Yeah. So you're one of the few folks who don't have to come here and travel and uproot your life for four months. Yeah. No, I, that's a that's a blessing. Um, get to be the hometown guy. Get to go go, uh, go home to your own bed. Go home to my own bed. Yep, and see my kids uh, on the occasions that I get out of the building. Um, so what's What's it like being in the building? You've been in here as a staffer. Now you're a senator. It's kind of a big, big deal. Was it any different? People, well, people maybe give you a little more coffee. Or? People I've known for twenty years. I can't get them to use my first name anymore. See, with me, I know a lot of these. I know a lot of legislators, and outside of the building, uh, I'll call them by their first name. It's no big deal. But in the building, I feel like you have to. But even then, sometimes people say, "Don't call you know, call me this or call me." So the old, the old tradition, the way I learned it when I got here is, is out of respect for the office, you use the title. Unless and until they say, hey, call me, you know, Jesse. Call me my first name. And then, then it's cool. But then you got to track who told you you could. i got to keep a list. Well, I, yeah, that's fair. But there's a lot of things you got to track. A lot of people you got to pay attention to. So, you know, uh, I, I'll give you an example. I went to high school at the same time as Lindsay Holmes, right? And she mm-hmm. came and I was a staffer here. And I said, Representative Holmes, congratulations. She said, how long have we known each other? Call me Lindsay. It's Lindsay ever since, you know? So that's a good, that's a good way to, it's a good rule. Yeah, if they say call me my, by my first name. Anyway, um, you know that it, it's. I noticed it a little bit when I got on the Juno Assembly. Is that people I'd known for a while suddenly started to, uh, I don't know, somehow equate me with the office I held in in a way that um, can make your head swell, and that's no good, right? So I mean, it, I, respect for the office is important. Me swelling my head is a bad thing, so. I really tried to just, you know, talk you're, people's people. You're definitely a Jesse guy. That's that's the idea for me. And, and the, I mean, for me, I got to respect the office by the work I do in it. And I appreciate, you know, in committee, on the floor, people respect the office. That's good. That's important. Yeah, I was going to say, of course. I mean, obviously in committees or the, no matter what, you know, it could be your dad or my yeah. spouse. You have to use the... 
But, you know, you and I are talking here and, you know, we should just talk to each other like people. You have this great view, like on the fourth floor. That's the other thing with the fourth floor is the view. <clears throat> First floor, not so much. You know, it's it's great. I, I love I love this old Capitol building. Uh, it's a great piece of Alaska history. And uh, and I've worked, like I say, I've worked with good views. I've worked with bad views. Um, the important thing is the desk and what you do at it. You know, mm-hmm, as, long yeah. as, as long as the phone and the computer works, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. So the ju- uh, I was when I was setting up here, I was your, I was looking at your computer, and I said oh, maybe I should send an email. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I should have yeah. locked that terminal. Thing. I am the loose unit. This you know. <laughs> um, so Juno's interesting. So you guys have you're the new senator, and then both reps are new. So the whole um, dis- Senate district with the two reps is new. Folks, is that challenging at all? Or I mean, is that you, you've been around for a while, so it's not like you're foreign to the do- dealings of the capital. Yeah, at least I, at least I knew where the bathrooms were. That helped. But uh, you know, it's it, turnover is not a bad thing in an institution. Um, and so uh, sometimes we'll talk about how to do something, and I'll say, well, so traditionally the Juno delegation's kind of done it this way because I've worked for Juno legislators and. There are times when my colleagues will say, that makes good sense. Let's let's hit it that way. And other times I'll go, hmm, you know, I would rather this, that, and the other. And we'll go, okay, let's do that. So the two so rep, new, new ideas are the, good. Two reps are Andy Story and Sarah Hannon? Hannon, yeah. So you have those, they're the two, two house reps. Yeah. Do you know so, them from before? Like, do you have, have you known them before? Or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I bumped off, bounced off of Sarah for years around town and she was a teacher. Um, she actually she, speaks a little Russian. I speak Russian, and, I and do not. this came up, and then um, she had lived there and been there, and she speaks a little bit, and we were in the house floor, and she came over, and I started talking to her in Russian, and some people in the gallery were like, what's going on? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you two are hatching a conspiracy. The Russians are here. <laughs> I love it. Uh, don't tell the president. Yeah, we won't so, tell the Mr. Trump. No, so, you know, it, it's good. We've uh, we've been at community events, and then Andy Story, of course, was on the Juno School Board for 15 years. So I got to interact with her in that capacity, both as legislative aide and as an assembly member. And so, you know, I mean, two just incredibly sharp, hardworking uh, people. So I, I'm, I'm really lucky. We've got a really good delegation. Um, and, uh, we're taking some different approaches than, than their predecessors took. And that's, that's good. That's what it's about. So the Senate, I've done a lot of the podcast recently with people in the house and we were talking about the house disorganization. I did a podcast with Senator Giesel last week, Senate president. Mm-hmm. So you guys, the Senate very quickly organized, uh, after the election and they did it very methodically and Everything was rather normal. Um, you, you're in the minority. There's six, six, seven. There's six, right? Six in the minority. Six in the minority. Yeah. Um, so the party split is thirteen seven, but the caucus split is fourteen six. So, we, I mean, I imagine you were watching all the house dealings, and must be kind of nice being in like a body that's got everything figured out rather quickly. Well. Uh, you know, Maybe you wish you were in the majority. Though. I wish I was in the majority, right? <laughs> I'd have figured it out differently if it was all up to me. So, you know, I, the the one thing I guarantee you um, would have made him take longer is if I'd come over as a senator and said, here's what you guys ought to do. I could have really screwed it up. Yeah, I wonder if that was because a lot of the you know senators were in the House before, some even recently. And you had, you know, um, Senator Reinbold now was definitely giving her opinions uh, on social media about what was happening, but... Uh, I wonder how much of that was, you know, how people were given. We're, everybody we're, has an idea. Everybody has yeah. an opinion. We we got we got all kinds of issues to work on with the house and try and find our our find our way where we differ. Um, I, I figure in terms of internal business and getting organized, let them find their way. We'll we'll squabble and push about other stuff. Keep so, the powder dry till you need it. 
So the big, uh, obviously the big issues here, the budget, PFD, and the repayment, and then I'd say probably crime would be the third one. But let's talk about the budget and the PFD. I mean, this budget's been kind of a big uh, wake-up call. I don't know, you call it a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, What's your view on it, and and what do you think is going to happen with uh, the budget? Oh, I don't think our state's future can afford this budget. I mean, this will cr- this if this proposal would crash this state's economy. You know, uh, massive one point six billion dollar reduction from the previous year. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Big yeah. dividends though. And <laughs> woo, <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, but if you if you if you don't have a car or a bus to get to work, uh, how nice that you've got a little cash in your pocket today. It's gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if you're not running the state's infrastructure, if you're not educating the kids and providing the opportunities, um, what where where are you? What what's left? What so, do you what do you think about the, the? I mean, the big one that I think has shocked a lot of people, and you know, North Slope Borough Valdez is this uh, property tax authority from local governments. They're trying to take away <clears throat> and give it to give the money to the state. Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously uh, uh, it's a, it's a direct grab and it uh, it pulls the rug out from under their municipal budgets. Uh, it pulls the rug out from under their municipal taxpayers who are going to be left with you know services and bond debt and things they've got to figure out how to pay for if that sort of thing were to go through. I got to tell you, right? There's there's no oil and gas property in my district. Right. This this if it went through, probably wouldn't cost my district a nickel. But that doesn't make it right. Is there any bond debt reimbursement in Juneau? Oh heck yeah! Oh absolutely. Because I know in Anchorage they said there's an article. I think it was KTO that said that if this were to go through, the average property taxpayer would be hit with like it was like fourteen hundred dollars a year and increased. No, my, my only point was, you know, that, that particular bad idea from the governor isn't going to hurt my district, mm-hmm. but it's still a bad idea. It's one state, one economy. Oh, okay, so and that, I'm that more per- than happy to help them. At the same time, we've got some issues here in Southeast I could use their help for, right? There, there's no state ferry that docks in the North Slope Borough. Yep, that's I, I could use a hand with ferry service because that's vitally important to the economy in my district. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of us are seeing the opportunity to work together on some of this stuff. Um, so, so you said about that, you said that particular bad idea. Let's talk about, that's one thing I want to talk about, the ferry system. Because I've ridden the ferry system uh, years ago. My friend has a business here in Juneau, so I drive cars to Juneau a lot through Haynes. Nice. Hop on the ferry. Um, many, many times I did that. So I've had you know probably more experience in the ferry than most people, Alaskans, but but not not nearly the level of people in Southeast. So um, talk a little bit about the ferry and, and how much people you know depend on it, and, and what what's happening now if if this ferry system were to experience these reductions that the governor is proposing. So it's, a, it's our road that connects communities, right? So the Glen connects the municipality of Anchorage and the communities in the Matsu Borough, <clears throat> right? And, and that's an economic uh, artery. You, you move workers, you move freight, you move uh, uh, all manner of commerce. You also move tourists in the summertime, right, on that highway, and it's important. Well, to get from one community to another in the island parts of the state, you need a marine highway, um, it would, we don't have, you can't build a road to Petersburg. It's on an island. You can't build a road to Wrangell. It's on an island. So we go on and on and on like that. So we've got to have a marine highway to connect our communities, right? We pay a toll for that, that of course, nobody in Alaska pays on the asphalt highway. So we recoup a piece of that cost, but it is essential 
to our economies. It's also got a lot of cultural importance, right? That you get to see groups of school kids moving around. You got families going on vacation. In the summertime, you got independent travelers, right? Tourists, and they're headed up to the interior in the rail belt, Anchorage, by the way, uh, where they spend a heck of a lot of money. So it, it's, it's important to the whole state's economy. It's important culturally. But when you come right down to it, it is that piece of infrastructure that moves commerce between communities in southeast Alaska, in south-central Prince of Wales, or excuse me, uh, Prince William Sound, and out the Aleutian chain. Oh, I skipped Kodiak. You can't, you can't have a modern economy without I, I talked to one of my colleagues uh, on the phone one time uh, who said, you know, I took a, a ferry trip with my husband, and we went to, she named a couple of southeast communities. She said, I get why you guys love the ferry. It's great, but I got to tell you, we went out to a little village in western Alaska where all I have is an airstrip. Right. And, and until the river freezes up, that's the only way to get anything in and out of town. And just remember, you guys with your ferry, you've got something they don't have. I said, you know, you make a great point. Which communities had the economy that you want to be the model for Alaska's future? Were, were there more stores and jobs and, and homes in private hands in that tiny village or in that southeast community where you can move a barge full of or a, a van full of freight and a van full of, uh, of fish and, and whatever oh, else? Oh, nice. And, and my colleague changed the subject pretty quick. But that's the key, right? That's what we've got to understand is that I want to do something to help out the folks in that western village too. But you don't bring equity between Alaska communities by cutting off my infrastructure and still have a prosperous state. That's not how it works. So, so um, I haven't ridden the ferry for a while, but in the past, and I know people, some of the things I hear uh, about the ferry that people don't like is the, the, the schedules and the efficiency. Some of the, they, they order these bigger ferries and... They can't go to all, go to all the docks because they're so big. I mean, can can the can the ferry be more efficient? Can they do things to yep. make it? You know, because I know the scheduling is one of the big things I hear from people. Is is there's like schedule to this place is you know more common than this this place, but this place might have more demand. And and then I know that the governors order ferries and they take years and sometimes they change the order. But isn't one of the, the big the fair weather? Isn't that the big one? So it's one of the fast ferries. And, yeah. is, and that can't that can't I might be incorrect here, but that can't dock at all the docks, right? Correct. So I guess talk a little bit about some of the you know, issues with the ferry and how maybe they can be improved. You know, every, every long, they're, they're, um, I could give you a stack of studies on the ferry system. Um, and, and they all say a lot of the same things, right? Any place you can get to day boat service where you've only got one crew and you've got a predictable schedule so that people know, hey, I got a ferry every weekday at 8 a.m. Or I got a ferry three days a week at 10 a.m., whatever it is, right? If it's predictable, people will use it more. Uh, and you see that with the Inter-Island Ferry Authority uh, down between Ketchikan and Prince of Wales Island. Um, that was sort of the idea behind the two day boats that were built in Ketchikan with 100% state dollars, right? They were going to be day boats in, in Lynn Canal here between Juneau and Haines Skagway. And... Um, <clears throat> There were some, I think, questionable decisions made. One of the problems we have, Jeff, is that every time you get a new governor, you get a new head of the ferry system, and you're making $100 million, a couple hundred million dollar infrastructure decisions. This, this is what I've heard. I mean, the, every four or eight years, they change the... Based on a different political dynamic. That's, that's not a good way to make infrastructure decisions. So, yes, we need to do better. How long, it takes to build, how long does it take to build a ferry? Do you know? No, oh, depends on how long you spend in design and how close you work with the Coast Guard. Year, and, years, probably yeah, years, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a vessel that meets all the safety of life at sea standards is a big deal. It's a big job. You can take cars on it, trucks on it. 
it's a big project. And so, yeah, we need to stabilize the management. And I think we need to, to get more efficient. I agree with that. I think one thing I've heard from um, people, especially in you know, South Central or people who don't use the ferries, well, it needs to, you know, they, they'll say it needs to make money. And I always say, well, highways don't make money. Exactly. You know, it's not going to make money. But even, I think even the ferries in Seattle and Washington State, they don't make money. But you know, the point is, um, you know, I think we need, we need a ferry system for sure. Uh, and, 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 and if there were a way to make money, the somebody private, would, the private so, sector somebody would be doing it. Somebody would be doing yeah. it. Yeah, and, and God bless them. Right? Have, you, have you heard so, about this talk of private? I mean, there's people, some people are saying, we've got to privatize it. I mean, like you just said, if it was a I'll private you, way to make money, people would be doing it. I'll give you an example. Between two of my communities, Haynes and Skagway, they're, they're fairly close by water. In the summertime, there is a passenger-only ferry that goes between Haynes and Skagway a couple times a day. It is 100% private, it is for-profit, and they're making money. But there's no way for them to make money in the winter, and there's no way for them to make money with a boat big enough to carry cars. cars and people, yeah. So if you want that infrastructure connection, there's going to have to be a public component, just like the Seward Highway South to Kenai Peninsula communities, or uh, Sterling Highway, excuse me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, that is not a moneymaker for the state of Alaska. Uh, is it important to our economy and to our cultures? Absolutely. I'm not proposing we shut it. God, no. It's equally important. So this, this, I get the feeling, living in Anchorage, uh, I get the feeling that there's there's only so many people in Southeast, and how many total reps and senators are there? There's you, there's Senator Stedman. And half a dozen. So I get the feeling sometimes kind of the ferry's not is valued by some Alaskans, and you guys are almost kind of feel, oh, the ferry, the southeast, those people can, you know, is that kind of the mentality some folks have? You know, you, you always have to push back against that kind of thinking, right? I mean, and, and I occasionally, I was born and raised in Anchorage, right? And it wasn't until I lived in another Alaska community that I realized all that natural gas, everybody in Anchorage burns all winter long and cooks with, and I used to love, you know, taking long hot showers. You know, there's no production tax on that gas, that's, yeah, that's right. It's 100% state-subsidized. When did you move to Juneau? I mean, I didn't realize you were from Anchorage. When did you move to Juneau? Right after college. So you've been here for quite, yeah. quite a while. My point is not that, hey, we should raise the cost of heating in South Central, right? The point is, hey, we're all helping each other out in this state. We're all trying to make it here. So let's all help each other out and have a good economy. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Um, how about the other one, the PFD? That's kind of the other big, big one. Is I heard of that. Have you heard of? Have you yeah, familiar with this no, issue? No, somebody mentioned it. I can't. I can't Something remember. about some mega PFDs and some, <laughs> some, some supersized PFD. So there's yeah. the PFD about three thousand bucks is the kind of based on the historical formula, and then there's the the payback that Governor Dunleavy has proposed over a three year period. I mean, where are you, where are you on that? that so. Reality-based budgeting, right? There's only so many dollars, right? And we do have public needs. And I, I think you will see over the course of this session, I hope you'll see that, that Alaskans are not interested in the kind of education cuts and service uh, slashing that the governor's proposed. So the dollars have to come from somewhere. Um, when I campaign, I'll tell you what I told the people when I campaigned, and I still believe it. Um, I think we need a combination of things to pay for services. We should always look to get more efficient in state government. And, you know, look for ways to do it cheaper and do it for less. Um, But I think uh, that mathematically it's going to need some use of permanent fund earnings to pay for the kind of services, to have the kind of Alaska we want to live in, work in, raise our kids in, start businesses in. Um, 
It's not fair. The SB26 right? uses... Taking, taking the same number of dollars from my household of four with two good incomes as a single parent with three kids, you know, struggling to make it on two low-wage jobs. Taking the same number of dollars from me as from them is not fair. Now, I don't think mathematically it's going to work without some use of permanent fund earnings, and I want to protect a dividend. Hopefully it should be a predictable dividend. I think we ought to put a split in the Constitution, you know, whether that's uh, one-third dividends, two-thirds services, or something like that. I, I don't know, but but we can the, talk the, about that. I guess that. the SB26 does a 50-50, right? The SB26 says here's what the maximum draw from the fund should so it's be. That's about five and a quarter percent. Five and a quarter and percent, kinda... dropping down to five percent over time. Um, and and this notion that we're going to drain the earnings reserve to pay back PF, back amounts that um, weren't appropriated, I, I think that's a dangerous overdraw on the fund. I, I think that really puts at peril our ability to use that money long term, the earnings off that money long term, to have the kind of Alaska we want. I also really believe, Jeff, that we need some kind of balancer on that that does have some fairness. And I, I it should be something that pegs the state budget to the health of the economy. We are the only state in the union where there is no connection between a healthy growing economy and the services the state's got to provide to have one. Well, it's funny. A lot of folks uh, talk about Hammond and the PFD and his ideas. And Hammond was all, he was really for an income tax. He, and, he, he and, liked and, the idea and of he having was for people income connected. Tax he was against high state spending. He knew that if you dip into people's pockets, yeah, they no, watch exactly. you he, like He knew that hawk. if you pay, you'll watch more. And he was against what the repeal when they repealed it. Um, yeah, but I mean, here's here's my here's my thing, right? Cities all across our state have broad-based taxes so that economic growth is good for the city budget, right? If you move to Juneau tomorrow, and I'd welcome you, you start a tech company and you employ 100 people, right? We'd throw you a damn parade, right? Because all your people would pay sales tax and the ones who bought, you know, they, they, they'd pay some kind of property tax, either as homeowners or as renters, right? And, and there would be a revenue stream for the city to pay its share of educating the kids and JPD to respond to the occasional person who partied a little too hard, right? And plow on an extra street when there's a new subdivision, all that stuff. There would be some revenue from that economic growth. But for the state of Alaska... It would all be liability unless you had the stupidest CPA in the state who incorporated you the same as Alaska Airlines, right? You wouldn't pay corp tax because you wouldn't have to, and why would you pay a tax Uh you don't have to pay? So the state's share of paying to educate the kids of your employees, and, you know, if somebody got a felony went to Lemon Creek, or somebody just got divorced and needed to use the court, right? There'd be no state revenue to pay, you know, for a contract I'm, dispute I'm, in court. I'm still getting used to the sales tax here because we don't have sales tax in Anchorage, just property I tax. So I'm still, I know. the coffee for five, it was like 527. I go, 525 oh, for that $5 coffee. Yeah, I, I know. know. I, I apologize. Well, hey, um, you know, you got to pay it somehow. But, but, but there's the thing, right? The governor's budget, if it collapses the economy and the population of Alaska shrinks, that's great for the budget. It's bad for families. It's bad for communities. It's bad for the future of our state. But we're so upside down with no connection between a healthy economy and the state budget that economic contraction, and as long as it's not in the oil patch, would be good for Alaska's budget. That's nuts. That's an upside down incentive. So, of course, you could take it too far, right? You could, you could have a crippling tax rate and that would be bad. But some kind of connection uh-huh. between an economy and, and what we need to have to have prosperity in this state 
only makes sense. So I guess one of, one of the criticisms by some people, they say, I want the, I want the session, or I want the Capitol in Anchorage or whatever, because they don't feel connected. Sometimes the people can't come here as easily. But you being here, living here, representing the folks here, um, people probably come to, you probably see more constituents than anybody. Uh, yeah, I'm fortunate. I, I hope I do. Do you have town? Do you do town halls or do absolutely? You, yeah, same and I, I've got one next week. Uh, we had one early in the session. I went up to Haynes and Skagway for a weekend. I did. Man, that was a great I, weekend. I, I, I lived in Skagway for summer you? in 2008. Nice. Yeah. So I did. I did uh, meetings with both assemblies, uh, members of both school boards, town halls, and office hours in both communities in three days. I was so wiped out when I got back to town, but it was so, great. So I have the opportunity to go to my uh, the outlying communities in my district. Click Bishop can't do that with his villages out west, right? Donnie Olson can't do that with his villages way up north. So much, I'm really yeah, fortunate much, to be able harder. to get there in person. A lot of those guys, uh, the rural guys, will be pilot like Neil Foster is a pilot and he'll get an airplane, yeah. right? In the summertime, but, go fly but, around. I mean, ultimately, it's it's a huge state, right? And and even if um, you know, even if the capital weren't in Juneau, somebody would have to travel. People would have to move around. The fact is, we live in the information age, right? It's on us to be available and accessible. So, you know, Shelley Hughes does does Facebook town halls and live, uh, you know, streamed events all the time. She is accessible to her constituents nonstop. Hashtag, hashtag no filter. She yeah, that's right. Hashtag no filter. Hey, that's in your opening jingle, that, that, right? That, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, podcast. it is, yeah. Um, high energy... Uh, well, I, I, I don't pretend to high energy, but no filter. I, um, oh, that's me, yeah. Okay, we'll let you do the high energy. You, you, you can, by the way, you can use foul language all you want. We're on a podcast. Just kidding. Well, that's super tempting. Thanks. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> did I mention I got two teenage kids? Uh, you, did, you did not. So, there so, you go. Good good point. So, yeah, I mean, the it's it's on us as legislators to be accessible no matter where we are. And, and, and it's on Juno to be a good capital city, right? I mean, let's remember that gavel to gavel... Right, the the money for that that comes from the taxpayers of the city and borough of Juno. Right, that's not state dollars in that. That's that's local money. Just because Juno wants to be a good capital and have the video yeah, I guess, I mean, accessible gravel's, to everybody. Gravel's great. You know, from being here, even you can't be at every meeting all the time, so it's good to be able to go back and watch and and see things. And sometimes they're funny, and sometimes they're important. Yeah, but it's a good, it's a really good tool. Uh, how, how big is your district? I was gonna, I didn't look at the map before. I was meaning to look at the map. It. About thirty-five thousand Alaska, no, the, just the, like every other senator. The, uh, the, <laughs> Come the, on, you the, walked into that one. I did, I did. You got, you got me. The the, the size. I mean, how, how far does it go? Um, you know, I, I don't have it in, in square miles, but uh, it's the entirety of the city and borough of Juneau. So if you put your elbow down on uh, down on like Tracy Arm and your fingers up on Glacier Bay National Park and swept up toward uh, toward the border, you would get Gustavus. You get Haynes and Cluckwan and oh, the Night Watchman Excursion Inlet and uh, Skagway, and then if you swept any further, you'd be in Canada. So, oh, so you got the border. Oh yeah. Wow, you ever, you ever go over there? And no, man, I'm gonna build a wall. You should get a, no. You should get a picture of you, one foot and you know, on the, one foot in, like at the border check. Well, it's kind of far away, but you do like a picture. Well, you know, I, I go up the Taku River and get a get a shot on the border there, and then I go up to the Skagway border crossing. Yeah, that's fine. Right. I've been there, yeah. And the Haynes border crossing. Do you talk to your uh, Canadian counterparts at all? or? Yeah, sometimes we get to. What's um, that? The U- it's uh, North- Yukon Territory, right? Uh, or no, so no, sorry, North, North, North. We were actually bordered by British Columbia, but we've got a lot of connections with Yukon because White Horse is in Yukon Territory. So you guys, Excuse me. It's not Yukon Territory anymore. It's just Yukon. Do you guys ever, do you ever, do you ever like, meet with them or go talk with them? Yeah. British Columbia? Partners? Yeah, we do. Uh, we love to do. Uh, 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 Troopers and or JPD will go up for their Canada Day parades. They'll send a group of Mounties down for the 4th of July parade here oh, in really? Juneau. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, seeing Juneau, that years ago for Juneau the 4th. and Whitehorse are sister cities, right? And then, of course, Haynes and Skagway all the time. You guys also have uh, Vladivostok, right? Or no, is it? Yeah. 
Juno and Vladivostok. Yeah, so I'm, I'm on the Anchorage Sister Cities Commission. Yep. And one of ours is Magadan, Russia, and I'm the Magadan chair. There you so go. you guys have, and then Sarah Hannon was in Vladivostok. That's how the Russian thing came mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Juno is a sister city with uh, with Kalibo in Aklan, Philippines. Um, and um, oh man, there's one more. There's a Chinese sister city that I can't. We just we have one too. We just added one, Harbin. Nice Anchorage. It was city, I guess, in the '90s, but the Chinese were like it wasn't sanctioned or something had happened and it went away. And then they they came back, and I I understand it was. A top down from uh, the president. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Of Chinese president. Uh, Xi. Yeah, Xi, Xi Jinping. I guess it was from him, from him. So he must... do they do they make a lot of uh, a lot of uh, steel pipe there? I don't know. No, I mean they border Russia. They're very close to Habarovsk. So they're actually pretty close to Vladivostok. So they're not in the gas pipeline business. I don't. At all. Uh, don't don't just, don't just con- asking. Don't, maybe yeah, that could be. But but they're talking about direct flights from Anchorage to you know Shanghai and China. Right now, that's uh, what Governor Walker was over there last year. That was one of the sure. things they were talking about doing. So maybe, maybe we can go to China. Hey, I, that'd be, I, I have never been. Go to Russia. Oh my God, you and me in Russia. <laughs> there's a sixty percent chance it could get loose. <laughs> I will. I will brush up my old Japanese from college, but uh, you're going to have to do the Russian translation. I, I, I got you. Well, this has been a great, uh, great podcast. Uh, what else was I going? You have any kind of interesting Juno facts you want to tell the listeners? Interesting Juno facts. A lot, lot, lot of history in Juno here. How about how about this? You see this? Uh, there's a big cylinder of oh god, of uh, oh my god, how much concrete? Is what is that here? So this it looks like a core sample, right? Like, uh, yeah, like an eight inch core. I was gonna say it looks like yeah, core. Yeah. So this was uh, a few years ago. We did a big uh, seismic upgrade on this Capitol building, the Alaska State Capitol, um, <clears throat> and uh, to get the first phase, uh, you had to get underneath the the basement of the building and there's a little person-sized hatch in the press cave and there's a little person-sized hatch in the building manager's office and nothing you're going to get equipment through so they dug out under a corner under dennis egan's window when he was on the ground floor and they cut to cut a hatch in the in the uh foundation of this building they drilled a series of these cores in a rectangle and that's one of them oh and my they God. took a masonry chainsaw and they just <laughs> from one to the next and we got one of these cores. Dennis got it, and he passed that on to me. So you see how uh, angular see how that all is. the uh, all the aggregate is in here, right? Oh, yeah, Concrete usually you use D one gravel. That or, is quite heavy. Usually the gravel's kind of rounded, but you see how angular all this gravel is in here? It's not actually gravel; it's crushed rock from the old AJ mine. So the Capitol building is actually built in part from the rock of the old Alaska Juno gold mine. Here under uh, under Mount Roberts. When when was this built? I was actually meaning to ask that. When was this built? The Capitol. They turned dirt in 1929, and they cut the ribbon in 1931. Wow! So we're coming up, you know, 100 years here in about what 11, 12 years. Not not too far out. So it took the seismic retrofit on this building took about uh, I think four or five summers because they only did it when the legislature was not in session. So what they, they have to they had to like they couldn't jack they jack it up. What what they have to do to? No. So. Um, it's a huge building. Yeah, basically the the walls used to be three wives of brick, deep brick. It was, uh, but it didn't serve any structural purpose, and so they chiseled all the brick away and they replaced it with rebar and shotcrete. So you had modern steel reinforced concrete to these walls, so that now in an earthquake, instead of the building racking uh, and deforming on the diagonals, uh, it would just it would stand up better and be much more rigid in an earthquake. Well, what's the uh... Seismic activity here in June. I mean, compared to, so I was in Anchorage for the 
November 30th one. And I've been here since 04. And I've been through some earthquakes, baby. But I tell you what, my God, I honestly, Jesse, I thought my house was going to come down. It was freaking terrifying. Scary. You know, I was in the air on the way to Anchorage when that happened. And the pilot comes on the, the intercom. We're starting to descend. And he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's been quite an earthquake in Anchorage. And, uh, you know, he sort of talks for a minute. And he says, so we don't really know the status of the airport. We're going to divert to Kenai because we're not carrying enough fuel to circle for a long time. And the whole plane, like, banks left, right? And we keep descending, descending, descending. After about five, eight more minutes, he comes back and he says, well, ladies and gentlemen, with, uh, with your smartphones, you probably know more about this earthquake than I do with just a little radio up here. But one thing I do know is they've just finished uh, an inspection of the runway. It's in great shape. We're going to put you on the ground in Anchorage. Whole plane banks right. So for five minutes, you guys might have thought Anchorage was like, like rubble. I had no idea. I had no wow. idea. Wow. So uh, short and a long story, plane lands and they say, you know, we're not using any jetways. We haven't uh, inspected them. So we're getting the old air stairs. Just pretend you're on the old combis, right? Yeah. So up we go into the very end of the seat. Congress they said, you can't stay on the secure side. Everybody out. And I'm walking past the McDonald's and the sea concourse. And there's guys in coveralls, right? Local 71 guys are like, yeah, so we got some glass over here. And yeah, so-and-so is going to the North Terminal because blah, blah, blah is broken. Somebody jerks his thumb at McDonald's and goes, what about the water lines? And he says, well, plumber's on his way. I go down to the bag claim. It is raining. Yeah, no, there was the a, yeah, claim. I heard about Just that. Just raining. I mean, somebody, the water line broke. But, you know, the whole place stood up. Anyway, instead of all the meetings I had planned for that day, I helped my uh, sister and brother-in-law clean up broken glass and stuff all over the house. So when was their a, little boys a, came home, they had so yeah, safe, you, you saw safe was, places to run around the house and all that. We it was got a that sur- all cleaned up. surreal day. I mean, just so so I was I was actually sleeping. I was getting up. I was like eight there. I was getting out of bed, and um, roommate was in the shower, and uh, wasn't I was wasn't wearing any clothes. And basically, <laughs> that's these not two, a picture. Two thirty-some-year-old men like. Basically, like naked, like freaking out, thinking that because I was in my door jam or my, and it was yeah. shaking so hard I was being like hit. Man. I was slamming into each side of the door uh, frame, and, and I, I just for about ten seconds I would think this, like the house is coming down. Man, and it was it was like I, my, my my refrigerator, my stove, my picture. I mean, st- my dresser was knocked over. My fridge and stove were pushed sure. out all the way in the middle of the kitchen. You know, they got pushed, and then pictures were books, and it was. Anyways, what about Juno? Is it a very seismically so, active? Zone? Not not like Anchorage. Um, so the there are faults up near Haines uh, that are much more seismically active, much more similar to Anchorage. Juno is more stable, but we do get some seismic activity. Um, there was a tunnel cave-in uh, at the old Treadwell mine, I believe in 1917, and it was a miracle everybody got out of there alive because it was below, uh, it collapsed a tunnel below sea level. Um so we, we have some shakers, but it's not as seismically active as uh, as the interior. Yeah, or Anchorage, or and then you area. got the, the Denali Fault. You know that was about two thousand two, I think. That was that big yeah, seven point nine, seven yeah. point something well, up near Minto, and yeah. So I, I just I just you know thinking about the sixty four. Um, I was talking to some folks who lived there, and they described it as basically very similar as the November thirtieth one, except five minutes. Oh, cool. You know, God have mercy. Yeah. Well, anyway, Senator Kiel, uh, Jesse, thank you so much for doing the podcast. This, well, is, this my, is fun. I think it was my first uh, Southeast legislator podcast. I guess I guess you got the... Well, to quote the, Bert Stedman, we're a warm and friendly bunch. I like that. Yeah. You, uh, you got to get maybe a beaver hat and beaver jacket like, he, he, like I, he has. I can't grow the mustache, man. Maybe not the mustache, but we'll get you the, the hat. All, All right, right, Senator Kiel, thank you so much for doing the podcast, and we'll see you around the Capitol. Folks, if you have any ideas for podcasts or want to maybe do a podcast, uh, let me know. We'll talk to you next time. Landline.